Hi, and welcome to Adventure Blather with Emily and Hannah, the podcast where we talk world swimming, to running, to travel and seeing the world. So whether you're listening on an adventure or wondering where to start, then this is the podcast for you. Oh, welcome to episode five. I think we do this every time. We go, oh, I can't believe we're on episode five, Hannah. We've made it this far <laughs> and we still have more things to talk about. I know, we never run out. But that's because some of us, ahem, ahem, not me, have been on some crazy adventures the last couple of weeks. So we were just talking before we actually hit the record button that we haven't actually spoken. Well, we've done texts and voice notes and things, but this is like the first time We've properly spoken and we get to catch up on how the big trip went. It's it's such a long time since I spoke to you. <laughs> so where did you end up? The last time we spoke to you, you were like, we are just heading north. We have no plan. We have a plan, but no plan. Yeah. you're a major planner. What happened? Tell us. <laughs> so I did have like a little mini meltdown on about day three or four maybe maybe five I don't even can't remember um so we set off on the Friday and we drove to Auburn and then on the Saturday morning we tried to get a ferry but they were all booked up so we waited till Sunday night to get a ferry so we went off and did Easdale quarries which was amazing I had a little swim in one of the quarries and then freaked out because I saw something and I was like, Steve, Steve, there was there was something in there. It it looked like a, an eel or a snake or something. Totally panicked and jumped out. And I don't know why, but a couple of days later, I was looking up the history of Easdale Quarries because it was such a beautiful little place. I definitely recommend going. And there was a guy free diving in the quarries, and he's like, oh yeah, the locals say there's conger eels in here, like in the quarries. So I then googled conger eels, and I was like, oh my no! <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad I got out when I did. Apparently, they they they're huge and they can attack. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> totally freaked out anyway it was fine I think the one I saw definitely wasn't like an adult one it was fine but I I did get out of the water pretty quick but going back to Easdale beautiful place definitely recommend that and then we got the ferry over to Mull had a lovely couple of days and then the weather uh, was a little bit rubbish so we just kind of did a a drive around the island and ended up at this campsite at the south end the sunsets were amazing we were so lucky it was just beautiful so we had one night I had a shower restocked with water and everything and we set off to go do other things we ended up going back like we never do that we just enjoyed the place so much the campsite was right on the beach it was stunning I would definitely recommend anyone going to Mull to go to Fidden Farm it is beautiful is that the one you just did a review on? Yeah, I posted that last night because I don't normally do that, but I just felt like we'd had such a lovely time that it just, it needed a review. Uh, but we ended up camping next to this lovely couple who live 40 minutes away from where we are. <laughs> it's just mad. <laughs> what are the chances of that? On I know. <laughs> it was like we were chatting away and it was like, where's your accent from? Because we knew it was somewhere close and they were like, yeah, settle. I was like, yeah, that's 40 minutes away from us. So yeah, we, we did malt, but we because the ferries were so busy for malt, we ended up booking the ferry to come back off again on the Thursday. And then again, we didn't have a plan where we were going, but it was a glorious day and I took Steve to Glencoe and we went in the waterfalls and we just literally hiked down the river and dipped in every pool that we could. And then we ended up on Sky again. Of course you did. You have a natural pool to Sky, do you not? But the thing is, that wasn't even my idea. 
Steve is taking full responsibility for this one because he was the one that mentioned it like 10 times. And I went, do you just want to go to Sky? He was like, yeah. (laughs) Which was fine because then I texted you and said, oh, I'm going to go and find a cave and go for a dip in it. And then when I showed you the video, you're like, whoa. I know. I have to say, that gave me the... Did give me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. So that was, I think, it was like dip number 96 or something. So I was getting close to the end of my 100 dips. And I was so determined that the last couple of days I wanted to dip at Talisker Bay and the fairy pools. But the weather just turned and it wasn't safe. The rivers were so high and the sea was so stormy. So we ended up leaving Sky, which I was a little bit gutted about. But then we travelled south and went to Arran. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Aaron is a lovely island. We're already planning a trip back because we were kind of both surprised. We'd not really, again, because we'd done no research or anything. We just kind of drove around, looked at Google Maps as we were driving. But again, we had a really lovely, um, like a wild camp spot and the sunset was epic. And it was just, it was really nice. I, I'm quite surprised how much we really liked Aaron, actually. And it's so much more accessible than Sky. As a set of middle ground, we could still do long weekends. So yeah, we had an epic trip. Um, there was, like I said, a couple of days in between where I feel like I, I, because I am such a planner and I always plan everything and Steve is so happy to just go along with it. He was also, it's nice not knowing what we're doing, mm-hmm. but then I still felt under pressure to make sure that he had a good time. And he's like, Hannah, just calm down. We have a good time, whatever we do. Like... We will be fine. We will still have a nice time. But I don't know where we're going to park tonight. And it was like, I think it was about day five. I had a bit of meltdown. I was like, I want you to have a nice time. Do you know, I get you. Like, I mean, I'm not planning our day day by day, but I know that when we've went, especially like self-catering holidays, we're eventually district and things. And if the weather's not been great, you're trying to keep everybody's spirits up and and everybody's probably fine, but I take it on myself, like, I must be the cheerleader for this entire family. And you end up, you're like, I'm doing good, doing good. Day three or four, you're like, I can't cope anymore. Are you guys having fun? I can't do it on a, on my own. But they're actually fine. It's me that's in a panic that everybody's not having the best time. I wonder why we do that to ourselves, putting ourselves under that pressure. I know, I don't know. I think, I don't know. It just seems to be you, you put the responsibility of a holiday on yourself, even yeah. though it's, you know, everybody is accountable for how they they feel. But I do, I do get like that. But yeah, it was all good. There was a couple of days where the weather was a little bit rubbish, but we just made the best of it. You did get some good weather because remember, it was like the heat wave before you went. And then I think as soon as you guys set off, it was forecast to be, like to break and it was just going to be raining but you actually got some really good days so we did it was when we hit Glasgow on the Friday night and it was like thunderstorm <laughs> I was like great this is the sign of things to come I know you are like great at that time everybody in Glasgow was like thank god there's rain <laughs> <laughs> to be fair if it had carried on being a heat wave we would have struggled with the dogs in the van so I it was fine there was only like a couple of days that we did we struggled to find things to do thing is it's your holiday as well you don't want to constantly be doing stuff something because you are trying to have an actual break as well you know that's that is the thing sometimes you come back and you go got a knackered yeah I I took my friend on holiday last year to Sky and I said don't expect to come back like refreshed you will come back tired <laughs> it's like, it is not a holiday with me <laughs> 
<laughs> See, maybe that's why Steve enjoyed the less planning because he's like, right, that'll be less Monroe's we need to climb that she's planned. I think it was like while while I'm researching the next stop, he actually gets like five minutes to just chill. That sounds amazing. I have not been up to anything that exciting. I've what? No running? Well, I did go running. So actually, so the last time I was on, last time I was on this podcast, say that like I'm a guest, I had a marathon planned, which went spectacularly wrong because it was so hot. So I thought half five at night, it'll be absolutely fine. It seemed to get warmer as soon as the start button gun whistle went. It was like loops of like just over four miles. So I was doing six loops, about a mile and a half into loop one. Now loop one, <laughs> so a mile and a half in. I was like, I'm struggling. Like I couldn't, I couldn't drink properly. Like I, I was drinking water and it was just like sticking in my throat. And I was like, I just don't feel right. Like there's just something wrong. And I just think the heat just zapped me. And we did like a loop. After that, I kind of, I was starting to get a bit of water and felt okay. And then I caught up with my friend Rachel and I was like, she was struggling. I was struggling. I don't know if this is for me tonight. Like this is really hard mentally hard but also I feel like I had no energy plus I was hungry as soon as I started and I thought I'd eaten all day but yet there's not I've got nothing in the tank type mm. thing so um I started crying on and off during, <laughs> during that loop um me and Rachel sort of separated for a bit I saw somebody else I knew Lee um who had came down to bring Rachel water because she didn't uh, run with any and it was actually too long to go uh, each loop without any water so He'd brought her some juice and sweets and stuff down. I saw him cried on his shoulder. Then I saw somebody else cried at them. And then I just, um, I went down with my friend Mel and she was she was doing brilliant, but she saw me and she went, are you okay? And I went, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to quit half time. But I was really annoyed because I hate giving up. But to be honest, I don't know what the ratio is. I haven't really looked at it, but I think quite a lot of people dropped down from marathon to half marathon because I think it just got too hot. And just before, so the Monday before I did this race, so this is the problem as well I had. And it's nothing against Blast Running. It was a great event that they ran. Just a shame. It's Scottish people in heat. But on the Monday, they had sent us an email saying, if you think you're going to be longer than five hours, you can start an hour earlier. And it had it in my head. And I thought, I, there's only one time I've ran over five hours for a marathon. And it was my very first one 10 years ago. But now I had it in my head that this was me. But I couldn't get to Edinburgh any earlier. And I wished that, see, if they had put that at the start of entry, I wouldn't have entered if I'd known that. Because I then felt like, what happens if it does take me longer than five hours? Are these people going to have to hang about waiting for just me? And I think all of that, with the heat, with the fact that I just wasn't feeling it, just added, and I just was so stressed out. Like, and I think I can only put that down to it. I was just, it was just stress. And as soon as I finished, I was fine. But I mean, I think I cried on Instagram. I phoned <laughs> my husband, who I never, I mean, I never phoned Gordon during a race. Phoned him, and even he was like, just stop. Just stop running. Like, what, can just come home. And I'm like... <laughs> I need to finish the half marathon. He's like, right, okay. <laughs> got to the end and there was no medal. So he's <gasps> a bit gutted. I mean, all fair play to the, the organisers. They had ordered medals, but they came delivered with the wrong gear on them. They came delivered for 2024. So yeah. she has organised other medals, but it was one of those, you're just kind of handed a bottle and a packet of crisps at the end. And it was like, oh, where's this, my medal? This really didn't feel worth it now. <laughs> So, so yeah, hold my hands up. It did not go well. Obviously, when I was editing that last podcast episode, listening to myself being all cocky about it, I have to say I was 
slightly gutted to have to now report that yeah it didn't go well <laughs> and I think so this is where I think I missed a few of your stories with not having much signal while they're away but mm-hmm. then I caught up with something and you then ran a marathon the next day or two days later or something because you were beating yourself up about it so it was in my head that I was doing this marathon and when it didn't go to plan I can't I just couldn't shake it off I was so annoyed with myself even though I made the only decision I could that night and forced to as well by some of my friends going just drop out by my husband as well just drop out so on the Sunday I was like watching Elton John at Glastonbury having a wee dance in my living room and I thought I could just run I don't have a really busy day the next day with meetings and I'm like I could just do a couple of runs just like sort of like that loop effect just do not a full thing in the one go just break it up so that's what I did I got up at like six in the morning did a like an hour's run then I did another run then when I went and got Sophie from school I ran for half an hour before I got her and then I ran after work so I think I did five runs or something in the space of 12 or 13 hours but I mean it's good training for Loch Ness 24 I mean that's what I'm telling myself but <laughs> it does it did make me feel a bit better I mean I, I said on my Instagram I mean I could have just let it go but it's not me to let it go I was still so annoyed with myself and yeah it, there we go done Talking of training for Loch Ness 24, I am like serious FOMO now, especially after our last week's inspirational guest has now won the spot. I was so hoping that was going to be mine. I know. (laughs) Who actually manifested that when you think of all the stories he did before this about I'm dreaming about an ultra. Well, Al, personal best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your dream came true so what we are hoping to do is convince them to join the team rather than do it solo because I think the team's the team's a lot of fun and I would like to do it I'd like to do a solo 24 hour race myself but next year I'd like to just see this year like how it all works yeah you know and see how I cope with probably lack of sleep I do not cope with not sleeping <laughs> I mean I don't cope well with less food so I mean I don't know <laughs> I'm not holding out much hope, but yeah, so that, that'll be good. I'm really, I, I was excited that he won the place. I did want it to go to you. Yeah, but it's somebody you follow and you just think is hysterical. I was like, yes, Alice it- coming. So we've got a special guest coming up on our show today. Show, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have our special guest who'll be joining us shortly. Very exciting. So we're actually recording this before we actually speak to her. So we don't really have any, well, we know it's going to be good, don't we, Hannah? Absolutely. We're actually recording things in the right order this time, but we are kind of trying to fit in around Emily's next holiday. So, yeah. Yes, yes. A busy a busy week ahead and then off, off of my summer holiday. I mean, we went, I can't really complain. We did go away abroad in April, but this is like the first abroad summer holiday we've had since before lockdown um but what I'm really excited about is I get an actual two-week block off work and I don't think I've done that since before lockdown so I think that's what's exciting me more when I'm like I don't have to do a Monday again and work for like three weeks (laughs) not gonna lie that first Monday back when you set the alarm wow it's tough (laughs) yeah well that's I'm coming back on a Tuesday (laughs) for that exact reason This week, I have the pleasure of introducing the wonderful Holly, aka Dora Camper Adventures. Holly is often found camping out in the wild with her two children or at festivals in gorgeous sparkly sequin tops spreading sunshine wherever she goes. 
She created These Girls Band to inspire other women to step outside their comfort zones and organises meetups to bring all these like-minded ladies together. Holly shares lots of tips, tricks and advice into band life and many other topics and is an account I never skip by. We can't wait to hear how it all began and share Holly's story with you. Welcome, Holly. Oh, thank you. What a lovely introduction that was. That made me a bit emotional. I really had to work my game after the last two that Emily did. I was like, I was trying to keep them all like really nice and short and snappy and it, oh, Emily just went wild. So I was like, that's it. I'm up in my game. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, both of you as well. It's so lovely to be here. Oh, we're super excited you said yes <laughs> I think there's that kind of imposter syndrome isn't there Emily that every time we ask someone we still can't believe that they actually want to actually come on and share their story with us so we're, we're super grateful oh but you know what I was actually talking to a friend about imposter syndrome the other day and, and I'm sure we all suffer from it because we share so much publicly and you know, you hope that information is is hitting the right people and the people that you're sort of aiming it at, but it's always going to hit people that you don't expect it to. So imposter syndrome definitely takes me out sometimes. I had a message today actually saying, um, just along the lines of seeing that you're working really hard, sharing everything, like from the last couple of weeks on the trip, it's great to see everything. Thank you for sharing it. And it was someone I was just, you know, I didn't even realise they kind of followed the account so much and it, it just felt really great. You go, you see, you never know who you're inspiring and, and who's watching and who's taking on what you're sharing. Totally agree because I think the amount of information and inspiration I get from like Instagram is unreal. But then when somebody asks me something, like, or maybe I've shared something, like, maybe can I ask you a couple of questions about it? And I think, why would you ask me? But then I'm asking your regular person as well I think that's it's more those opinions now I want to hear rather than you know people that are doing it like because they have to maybe they've been paid to as well you know I'd rather get the right tell me what you really think of those running traders yes exactly not somebody's gonna well I mean if you're happy we'll just I'll just launch in so can I just ask a quick question beforehand so Dora Camper Adventures I take it Dora is the name of your camper fan Yes, everybody gets me confused. I do regularly get, hi, Dora. <laughs> and I do answer, I answer as though I am Dora. We are one. <laughs> <laughs> we are one. We definitely are one. Um, yes, so Dora is my camper van. And actually, my original camper van, which is not the van we have now, she was called Dora and she was our first van. And we just, you know, she she was literally part of our family. So, you know, we gave her a name. We referred to her by that name. And then when we bought our second van, it didn't feel right to not keep the name. And obviously my account is associated with that name. My website has that name. So we just decided actually she would just become Big Dora because she's much bigger than the original. And vans don't get offended by Big Dora. So how did you get into the, for anybody brand new to you and your account and things, how did you get started with the van life? It actually came about because, well, it started basically when I had my first child. Um, she had, so Rosie is my eldest, she's nine. She had reflux and a dairy, severe dairy allergy when she was born. So flying abroad, going on an aeroplane, those kind of holidays, they were they were null and void there on for, for us because we needed to cook all of her food from scratch. We needed to be able to take our own ingredients with us because when you go abroad, obviously there's the language barrier and there was always the risk that she could be exposed to foods that could make her very, very sick. So 
we took the whole house with us in a car to France and we did sort of Euro camp type holidays. But me being me, I'm always looking for the next thing. You know, nothing is ever enough. We then started looking further afield and then COVID happened. So we had an amazing holiday booked driving around different places in Europe, but that trip was no longer viable because of COVID. So we thought, well, what are we going to do in this country then? You know, we didn't actually realize what we had on our doorstep before that and I am actually really really grateful for to COVID for opening our eyes to what is here in our amazing country so we spent the money that we had saved for that big trip on a tent and everything we could possibly need for camping and we'd never actually camped before I'd never put up a tent before and our first time doing it I actually tried it in the garden first so that I knew I could do it because I had the children on my own so we went to Norfolk and I pitched the tent in the on the hottest day of the year with two children in tow who were not staying in one place, you know, carting all this stuff backwards and forwards from the car. But we fell in love with it. We just loved it. So we then took the tent everywhere. We went to Cornwall in the tent. We went, we went on all these different trips, but obviously that is hard work. And we were in this field, still in the midst of COVID, watching these people in their VWs turn up in their vans and pop up their roofs and pitch up their driveway awnings and and I was watching in awe thinking that is what I need I don't need to be lugging this tent around everywhere I need one of those so that was in the August what was last year 2022 so 21 August 21 and I said to my husband I really want to buy a van so come October I had my first van and I don't do as I say I don't do things by halves um I had I, I got the train to Swansea And I was sat in this van. I'd never driven a van before, never driven anything that big before. And it was in the forecourt. It wasn't like even out in the car park. It was actually inside the glass building. And I'm sat there thinking, oh, my God, I've got to get this van out. And all these men are watching me. I did it. So I did it. That was it. Drove it home from, I'll never forget ringing my nan. That was a a highlight for me. I rang my nan and, and said, nan, I'm on my way home from Swansea. She said, what are you doing? Where are you? I said, I'm in my camper van. I love that. You know, that that was the journey and it's just got bigger and bigger from there on. We were sort of similar to you, Holly, about plans get cancelled by lockdown and we did the whole buying a tent and things. And we had some great trips, but I don't know how you managed to pitch a tent on your own when I think of the times where I've had to try and do it. And as a, you know, there's two of us with the kids that are a bit older than yours nobody is is working together but actually I think that's probably why I'm successful because I say to the kids just actually stay over there plug yourself into a device because this is what I'm allowing you to don't move and let me just do my thing so I've sort of got a rhythm with it and actually a couple of years ago we went to Sandringham with a couple of friends who had never camped before they'll never camp again and they're quite happily tell me they'll never camp again because it was in November in the dark, we pit, we pulled up in the van in the dark, they're in their car, and I'd managed to convince them to come camping with us. And I said, you don't need to do anything, I will put the tent up, just put the headlights on. And she watched me and she was like, you, you are not even human. <laughs> I think women tend to think about it in a slightly more logical way as well, whereas men just like fire in and do it. And you kind of end up working against each other and you're like, what are you doing? Like, just leave me to it. <laughs> Yeah, it would end in divorce, I think, if my husband and I tried to do it together. And I think I did the same as you. I put it up in the back garden, whereas my husband Gordon was like, we don't need to do that. We'll just, like, how hard is it? Yeah, 
I'm quite glad we did practice because it was very much like you're on this station, but this is where it goes. Instead of having that, we went with friends camping as well with their families. So I'm glad we had, you know, I had already done it beforehand so that, you know, we weren't having a complete domestic in front of them. Yeah, because if there's going to be anything that's going to provoke a domestic, it is putting up a tent. You had this this van, little, little Dora, and when yeah. did you change to Big Dora? So we bought Big Dora in March this year. And again, you know, there's a theme here. I don't do things by halves. So she is much bigger than my first van. Uh, wider, taller, longer, heavier, all of it. I had her a week before I took her to the Outer Hebrides on my own with the children. I loved following that trip. <laughs> and I would never forget. So we found her. I'd been looking for, she, so she is a um, a converted work van. In her previous life, she was a work van. And we'd been looking for one for a while. She's a VW Crafter medium wheelbase. And I knew I wanted a grey one, but they're, they're few and far between. So when I found her and she was fully converted, it was like finding a unicorn. Um but it took a while for me to convince my husband because I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit, but van life is not really his thing, which is why I do it mostly solo. So it took a while to convince him because our first van was amazing. She was a She's a factory fit as well. So she was brand new when we bought her. But I just knew for me in doing it solo and being the one to do the driving, the planning, the setup, the put, packing away, you know, doing all of the jobs. I knew that I needed an easier setup. So something I could just pull up and whip the bed out and not faff around. That was what I needed. So in my head, I was not moving on until we'd found this perfect van. So when I actually found her on Facebook Marketplace, that was it. I knew she had to be mine. So the fact that she came just before our Outer Hebrides trip was not going to put me off of the trip, but also I had to go and get her. So we again, you know, we we took the old van, the Nugget. We drove the Nugget to Sheffield, which is where Big Dora came from. And my husband said to me, shall I drive her? You can drive the Nugget. You know how to drive that. That's fine. I'll drive the Crafter. And I said, well, in a week, I've got to drive her onto a ferry, which I've never done before. And I've also got to drive her on tiny roads around tiny islands. So if I can't drive her from Sheffield, then there are going to be problems. So again, you know, I just did it and turned right and ended up in the middle of the city. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't do things by halves. Completely different kind of wild setting. <laughs> so the difference between this van and the other, because I'm not a van person, like was your first one, it was all very strategically placed, like, you know, getting set up and things like that, whereas now you're good to go. There was, there was a more set up in the smaller one. Um, because she is not that much bigger than a, a VW. You know, like when you picture a camper van, I think most people picture a T5 or a T6. A like VW, our van. <laughs> like your van. Most people picture that kind of size. So the Ford Nugget was not much bigger than that. Um, she was just a bit squarer, slightly longer because she was a long wheelbase. Um, I think it was about a metre longer than a, a T5 or a T6. And... Her layout was fantastic because the kitchen was at the back. She was a really family-friendly layout, which is why I went for that over a T5 or a T6. But the crafter, the one with Big Dora now, she is about a metre and a half longer than the transit we had. Uh, she's a metre and a half taller as well and about a tonne heavier. 
which is quite a lot. <laughs> I can only imagine on those little roads on those islands. Uh, yes, well, Hannah and I had a lot of chat while I was on those islands because I did have some meltdown moments. I did publicly share a reel of myself having a, a real meltdown um, because I've got her into some sticky situations because the trouble is that, you know, when you're sharing the driving with somebody, you can, one of you drives and one of you navigates or, you know, one of you is able to stop and think and say, actually, you probably shouldn't go down that road or, I mean, I am the worst passenger in the world. I do the whole gasping thing when a car is nowhere near me. And, you know, we're definitely not going to plow into the back of it, but it looks like from where I'm sat, we will. As a driver, I'm totally different. You know, I just plow into things and think, yeah, it'll be fine. You know, I can drive my van up that tiny hill and not get stuck. Okay. <laughs> There's a story there. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm not going to lie. I'm still learning to um to think before I head off on an adventure. Yeah, with every with every stuck situation, I guess you get a bit more hesitant the next time. Uh, but there was a moment when we were on the Isle of Skye. Um, anyone who's followed me for a while and followed that trip will know the one I'm talking about. Uh, there was a moment when we're driving up to to a, a big hike, a very quite famous hike for the Isle of Skye called the Quirang. I never say it properly, so you might need to correct me. But it, I hadn't, I'd done a lot of research about the hike and, you know, the parking situation once you got there and, you know, hints and tips about the actual hike, but I hadn't looked at getting to the car park. And it's a single track road, but it winds and it goes up. And just before you get to the top of the car park, you're going round a hairpin bend up a hill, but there are people driving down towards me and my van is wide. There is nowhere for them to go, but there are also people behind me. And the, all I could see in my mind was we're on a cliff edge. So I tried to get around this hairpin bend and the wheels, and she's got massive beefy wheels, but they skidded. They skidded going around it. And I just put the handbrake on and I sat and I cried. And I, the people behind me, people in front of me, and I just sat at the wheel crying. And I'm not normally, I'm quite a confident driver, but I've never ended up in that sort of state before. And my son is sat next to me and he's panicking. He's he's the panicker of the two of my children. Rosie sat all the way in the back with her headphones on, none the wiser at all. And a man came over to the window and he said, you're okay. If you reverse back a bit, you'll have more swing to get around. And I looked at him and said, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. And he looked at me as if to say, well, they're going to have to do something because there are people in front and people behind. And, you know, they can't come around. They, you know, there's no way around it. And I looked at him and I said, please, could you do it for me? Which I'm a very strong, independent woman. To ask for help is a big, like, oh, moment for me. So it was a very big deal, all of that sort of situation. So he, bless him, he's an American man, jump, jumps in my van, tries to get it up the hill. While another man has got out of his car to advise the man that's now in my van. And he says to him out of the window, I can't drive a stick. Oh, no. <laughs> He obviously has an automatic. So they then swapped over and the other man jumped in the van and bless him, he did. He put he put it, you know, he gave it some welly. He got her up the hill and he looked at me halfway and I'd sort of walked beside the van. And he went, you want me to take it all the way up, don't you? I was like, absolutely, I do. And all of the people had all got out of their cars to watch this scene and gave him a big round of applause. And meanwhile, my daughter is sat in the back going, who's this man with long ginger hair driving my mum's van? Yeah, all of a sudden looks up going, 
But you know, when you say about independent women and stuff, I mean, my husband will do that when I go, can you take that bin out? Because it's absolutely stinking. He'd be like, I thought you were an, a strong independent woman, can do all your own things. And I went, a strong independent woman knows when it's time for somebody else to have a go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can make my own decisions. And that's all you did. And this, and you have your kids. I can only imagine, like you say, when you've got somebody else to share the drive and you've got somebody to bounce an idea between, whereas your son, as lovely as he is, he's not going to advise you on how to get this car or this van up that hill. So you are, it's that moment, you probably feel quite like, this is all on me. So having a kindness of a stranger, good, you know, I, I took it as well. I do think that it was a really, like a really important message that you shared because there was, I, over the Easter holidays, I saw so many families travelling up around Scotland and complaining about the roads. And I really do think people underestimate how narrow they are, how uneven they are. There's one road on Sky that it actually says um, danger substandard roads for 10 miles. And it's true. <laughs> they are horrendous. But I think people really underestimate them. And especially like the use of passing places and everything. So I think it's really, it's amazing that you shared your raw journey and the raw reaction to to being stuck in that situation and, and how you got past it. I think it's, I think it's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I must admit, I did. I had a moment when I put the reel together. I'd written the caption and I sort of hovered over that share button thinking people are going to think I'm a Wally because I'm actually crying in this reel. Or, you know, people I'm showing a real vulnerable side to myself here and maybe no one's going to, you know, want to see this or read this or take from it what I hope will get across. But actually the reaction that reel got made me cry even more. <laughs> I mean, I've, I think from what Hannah's told me, I mean, you are like superwoman. I've got two girls so I mean the thought of the three of us in a small contained space oof. but you know I think you're superwoman already so see the fact that you're being honest about tough moments putting that on that'll probably resonate more with people who go she's she's more like me than than I thought I thought she had a, she had her shit together whereas we all have those moments you know what? I worry about that massively especially because I aim to reach out to the female community particularly we all compare. It's unfortunate that we do all compare, but comparison is the thief of joy. And if we are constantly seeing these people, these women, these mothers, we're exposing ourselves to people and constantly believing that they are at a standard that we can never reach. We're doing them a disservice. You know, so I I am very open and honest about things that I struggle with and things that, you know, hardships that we, we come up against. And but at the same time, very aware how lucky I am and how privileged I am to have the life that I have and to give my children the life that they have. But I think it's I think it's so important to be honest and to be sharing those vulnerable sides of yourselves. I think one of our previous episodes, we said something about being vulnerable makes you relatable. And it was I can't remember how exactly we worded it, but it was definitely something that really kind of hit home when we were talking about body image and, and a few other things in like confidence. It's that vulnerability does make you it just makes you normal and that's it and those are the posts that when somebody is having a hard day and they see that and you become more relatable and you go that's fine because maybe my family holiday didn't go so well or that day out with the kids that I planned and planned and think that would be magical there was only a brief moments where it was magical so it's it's things seeing that just is more realistic um 
because like we say, we always say that, you know, there's Instagram life, you know, these great moments of time that you put up there. Whereas I loved sometimes, you know, you see these accounts will go, here's the before and after of that moment. And yeah. it is literally like shouting at each other or pulling somebody in and like forcing them to stand for the picture. You know, it's all that kind of the other side of it. And you go, yes, I identify with that. <laughs> and the thing is as well that I, you know, in that moment, I guess it had really hit me that I was driving a brand new massive van that was new to me, new to us in a place that I'd never been to before in conditions I'd, I'd never driven in, it really hit me in that moment that actually maybe I did the wrong thing. Maybe I did, you know, maybe I overestimated myself and I thought I was able to achieve. Actually, in reality, I was achieving it, you know, but I think it's really important, especially with people come to me to look for inspiration for trip planning. You know, that's one of the things that people will come to me and say, you've been there, tell me about it. If I were to say to you, it's a breeze to drive on the Outer Hebrides. You know, it's awesome. It's a place for everybody and you'll have no difficulties. Then actually I'm doing them a disservice because I'd love for people to go and experience the trips that I've experienced and the places that I've seen and my children have seen. But the reality is they're not going to be for everybody. They're very remote islands. You know, there's not very much going on there. They're absolutely stunning, but you might be looking for something else from a trip. If I make it out to be something that it isn't and people go there on my recommendation, I want them to have a wonderful time. But equally, I don't want them to go if if it's not for them. Exactly. And now they know exactly how to get up to that car park if they have a, a van as big as yours. Reverse back and swing right round. <laughs> Give it welly. Exactly. <laughs> or actually, if they go up there, what they should do is come at it from the other direction because that's a safer route. But I did the research, you see. All I did was say, Google, take me there. Well, this is it. And like you see, you're no, you've no passenger that is that has no. the you know foresight to do that. You know, they're watching SpongeBob or sleeping. So yeah, no, I I think you're you're pretty amazing doing what you're doing. How did you how did you kind of like move on from that? Like how did you have a word with yourself and like enjoy the rest of your trip? So that was the last adventure we had on Sky. Um you could say it left a bit of bitter taste in my mouth. It didn't because I will go back again. And there's so much of Sky we still didn't see in those four days like I thought four days was plenty I totally underestimated how long it takes to get from A to B when you're on a tiny island um, but also I underestimated how big it is so I want to do all of that again but I would do it in a different order next time yeah I cried a lot about that moment I must admit I cried a lot for a few days because I kept taking myself back there in my mind thinking it over and thinking I should have done this or I should have done that and I do berate myself and I share that as well. You know, I talk about how I'm horrible to myself in my own mind and I know I shouldn't be. And I sort of share that message in a way. I share what I'm telling myself, one side of me saying this, the other side of me saying that. And I share it because I think that most, lots of people do it, but I think women in particular berate themselves for things that other people would praise Mm -hmm. them for. So, yeah, I did spend a lot of time crying about it, but then it was like, buckle up, you know, the next big thing's coming and that's a ferry that you've got to get yourself onto. And I'd worked myself up about that. But in a way, I didn't really have much time to sort of get over it. It was just done. My big take home from it was my son. Noah is seven now, six at the time. 
he doesn't really have a filter. He says what he's thinking and his take home from it was, we didn't die, mummy. Winner, winner. But the thing is, you don't have time to really panic. I mean, I always say that like, if there's maybe two of you, you could you you have the, the liberty to like fall apart in a way. But when it's you on your own with the kids, you're like, ah, I need to get back to it. I'll, I'll probably mull it over in my head before I go to sleep at night. It'll still be there. I'll wake up with some sort of headache because I've been thinking about it and stressing about it. But you're sort of having to move on. Don't let yourself fall apart. Yeah at that point in time so you you mentioned it before so we're just kind of jumping about our questions but it feels like we'll just kind of take it organically but your husband doesn't like van or does it's not his first choice no would you say okay he doesn't like it i'm not gonna lie doesn't can i just jump in and ask one question i saw you do something a story on something where you said he came and joined you for half term and you changed your plans because he doesn't like scotland I nearly cried a little bit. What does he, what's he got against Scotland? So my husband has he has very set ideas about places and he struggles with his mental health as well. So I do always have to bear that in mind. If he's actually going to come with us and he can commit to coming with us because we have we have four businesses. So we're actually very busy, both self-employed. Uh yeah, life is life is pretty manic. He finds it hard to be away from the businesses because, you know, we've put so much into them. He wants, you know, he wants them to to do well and to continue to grow. He's quite a control freak when it comes to work. So he struggles to be away from work. And sometimes it can be more stressful, stressful to be around him when he's away from work because, you know, he spends a lot of time on the phone and, you know, whatever. When he can commit some time, I want it to go well. You know, I want it to be a good family, good time together. He has it in his mind that Scotland is cold, it always rains, and there's nowhere he'd want to see in Scotland. Obviously, so he did fly out to Barra, and he was in awe when he got there. And I've been telling him about, about all of these islands and these beautiful things that we've seen and the white sandy beaches. And he was like, yeah, we've we've all seen those things. He he admitted, he admitted when he got to Barra, actually, no, I didn't have this picture in my mind. I didn't think it would be like this. However, when I then wanted to take him to Mull for, for um, half term, he's done Scotland. <laughs> he's gone into Barra. He's seen what he needs to see. He doesn't need to go back. He's just, he's missing out. I know he's missing out. You think him flying into the beach on Barra would be what would actually like sell it to you? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure he really takes home from even that, how amazing that is. You know, that was bucket list ticked for me and I wasn't even on the plane. He he was thinking, you know, okay, she's got me on a holly adventure. He calls it a holly adventure. I will hold my hands up and say that, I like to go to the extreme, you know, go big or go home. Why, why half-ass it? He just goes along for the ride. Do you tend to, if he's with you, not go as far from home? Is that? Um, I wouldn't say we don't go as far. Uh, we went to Cornwall instead. So that's not, you know, that's, that's no deep yeah. either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we went left instead of right, basically, as he would describe it. But um, we went down to Cornwall instead, which is he... He knows it, you know, he knows Cornwall. We've been there a lot. He knows he enjoys it and it's not, he likes to know what to expect. Whereas Scotland, I think, feels too big for him. It feels too unknown. In in Cornwall, he knows he's, he can go, go to the shop if he wants to, you know, he's not going to have to dr- drive four hours to find a shop or, you know, all of the things. He ha- just has a vision in his mind of of not enjoying it and therefore 
it affects his mental health too much. If you, you said before he likes, he's a business owner, my husband's self-employed. So there is an element, I think, of like a control thing. So like you say, it's knowing where you go. If you go at the same place over and over, you can sort of start your holiday immediately when you get there because you're not going, where is everything? Where So I could probably see that side of, of why he probably likes that. And obviously Cornwall is very beautiful. I've never been. It is quite a distance for me. But I'd imagine the roads there are quite as narrow. Everybody said to me, oh my gosh, like you're doing it again. You're, you're taking Big Dora down to Devon and Cornwall. <laughs> Those roads are nothing in comparison really? to the island. Nothing. They were a breeze. I kept thinking, have I have I underestimated, you know, have I not seen the roads before? Like we've been to Cornwall quite a few times, obviously in the smaller van. I kept thinking the roads must be worse than I remember them. No, no, it's just because I've become accustomed to driving vans, uh, driving on roads where they're only the width of my van. And if I slightly veer left, I'm ending up in the sea. The road out to, um, and forgive me on pronouncing this, but Hushnish Beach is epic, but wow. <laughs> wow. I knew you were going to say Hushnish the minute you started speaking there because that road. I don't suffer with sweaty hands ever. They were slipping and sliding off of the steering wheel on that journey. I was like this. For anyone brave enough to do that road, it is stunning. But it is a little bit of a roller coaster out there. We got out there. We we were going to camp there. And most of the places we've been all had kind of like cards that you could like swipe for showers and things. And we got there and we didn't have any pound coins. And it was the one place that only took pound coins. And we're like, oh, the village is just far too far to drive back and come back again. We were gutted. So we didn't actually end up staying there. So we, it is on the list to go back to. I think that was one of the yeah, top yeah. tips I gave you. I was like, make sure you carry lots of pound coins with you everywhere you go. I, and I did. And every time I went to a shop, if I used cash, I was like, can I have all my change in pound coins, please? Because I thought the fear of getting somewhere like Hushnish and not having pounds for the shower all the top tips that you share through van life carry pound coins (laughs) we know that you always share how chaotic life is but how do you manage family life running business i didn't realize you had four businesses and traveling as much as you do and organizing events for these girls how do you manage it well i don't sleep much and i'm i'm quite used to chaos i think calm and easy lives for me they have no appeal and I think it's just something I've become accustomed to as I've as I've grown. I've got lots of siblings. So life as a child was always quite chaotic. I guess you just kind of learn to adapt and you learn to cope and, you know, calm and quiet, stress-free lives. They don't appeal to me. Uh, so I like to, you know, like to pile on the, the stress and the pressure. I'm quite good at prioritising and I'm very, very organised. So I think all of those skills kind of work. And I've been a primary school teacher for 12 years. So the skills that you gain as a primary school teacher, I think you can do anything in your life. Creating these girls' van, how many how many girls or how many ladies came to the last meetup? Because it looked epic. The last meetup we had, well, we had eight less than we should have, which I've never really got to the bottom of that. But we, I think we had 42 in the end which was epic uh we've got more we should have more in october um i've had a recent update with the list for october so october is looking good as well and it just continues to grow every time and what's amazing about it is that there are some women who are called the ogs who have been to every meetup and you know have been 
the constant chat in the group and you know the ogs of of these girls van but every time there are new people and that's what's amazing is that the the community continues to add new people and diversify we had older ladies join us last time as well which was wonderful and i hope that it continues to diversify as well as grow and it's just amazing to have all of those people by my side i'm so gutted i've not managed to make it to one of the meets the first one i was really nervous about and i was like am i in a place mentally that I can drive myself four hours in the middle of winter and be confident enough about it. And I just wasn't quite there. And then the couple after, I think we were like either just coming back from holiday or just going on holiday. And the, the times just haven't quite worked out and I'm, I'm gutted. So just for anyone that we, <laughs> there was a separate group chat that we started with the Northern Girls Band Meetup. And I ended up meeting two of the girls because we were all struggling to get to one of the meetups. And I met two of them and we had the most lovely day. We went for a walk. They came for a dip with me and neither of them dipped before. And it was like, we just, we met as strangers and left as friends. And I've met Joanne again since. And we had such a giggle. She's just amazing. And I've actually met one of the others through dipping. She's been following my story and she's like, I'd really, really love to come with you one night. So there was a few of us all meeting and she's about an hour away from us. And I messaged her and said, look, we're going for a dip. If you want to come, you're more than welcome. So again, she just rocked up, met like six random strangers and she was lovely. We just had such a, a funny evening all messing about. She just joined in. It was like there was no judging or anything. And I just think it's really lovely. The kind of the dipping community and the band community overlapping and just everyone. I don't know. It just blows my mind. The positivity between sort of like all the people I've met recently. But I wouldn't have met these three ladies if it hadn't been for you. So you know, it's, it, you must be really, really proud of yourself for what you've created. I really am. If you'd have told me a year ago that I'd have created a community of women and camped with them and pushed ourselves out of our comfort zones and doing things for the first time together, if you'd have told me a year ago that I'd have done that, I wouldn't have believed you. You know, my own circle is actually quite close. Because I do a lot of things solo, you know, I'm not meeting people all the time I'm quite happy to go off on my own with my children and and do our own thing it would have felt you know a million miles away for me in my mind but it it was something that came about actually because of the men so the man van tribe um I'm good friends with Joe who is the owner if you like of of man van tribe and and it was Joe who said to me I really think there's there's a niche here like you should do this and I'm also very good friends with Amy, who is Van Fam Tribe, who's like, she is like the OG of tribes. I'm very good friends with her. And I said, actually, I think I'll be stepping on Amy's toes. And I, you know, I have no interest in doing that. And then Amy comes out of the woodwork and says, no, Holly, you're not stepping on my toes. Like, you should do this. This is just for women. So putting the idea out there, honestly, overnight, I created a chat group. That was That was the worst thing I ever did. Because I created a chat group thinking maybe 10 women might want to, you know, chat with me about it and organise a meetup. No, overnight we had like 200 women in a chat group. I'm trying to try to close that down. Yeah, that, that got a bit silly. In all seriousness, I, I was just overwhelmed by the amount of women coming to me straight away from the minute I'd sort of put the idea out there and said, yes, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. And so many women, you know, it's it's a whole raft of things that they get from these girls' van. It's the confidence to drive their vans themselves, the confidence to take their children out without their partner, the confidence to put the rock and roll bed out or, pop, you know, put, close the pop top, cook meals in a Ridge Monkey, whatever it is. It's 
inspiring ladies and encouraging them and supporting them and also helping them to believe that they are capable so capable of doing all of these things and whilst yes a lot of what I share may seem extreme you know taking a a van you've had for a week to the Outer Hebrides with two children on your own I would fully admit that's extreme but you don't have to go to extreme lengths you know find your comfort zone and push yourself slightly out of it and that's where it's come from with me you know it started with that tent on my own pushing myself out of my comfort zone to go and pitch a tent on my own with my children I haven't gone from that to a huge van you know it's grown slowly I've I've grown slowly in doing those things all of us have a place that we are comfortable and if we always sit within that comfort we're never going to learn anything new we're never going to feel those that exhilaration of wow look what I did and also we must remember we're modeling ourselves whether that's to other women whether that's to family members to older generations but also to our children and that for me is a huge shining beacon that I have these two small humans that I'm responsible for I want them to do big things in their life I want them to push themselves and to do things that feel uncomfortable in the moment, but are wow moments when you look back on them. And if I don't push myself and have them watch me do that, they might always sit in a place that's comfortable. Oh, that's, I feel like we should like clip that for like some sort of motivational speak. I mean, you have done some talks, like I know you said you didn't, um, you'd been invited to like the camper and caravan and what would you call it? Like festival and it was in talking so I can totally hear when you talk you're so passionate about it but now I'm like how do I find like I'm like should I go an auto trader and find a van (laughs) welcome to my TED talk Uh, yes you should find what do women what what should you expect if you come along to meet up we've kind of we've gained like um almost like an itinerary but the same thing every time um I plan them in different places in the UK to try to give everybody an opportunity to not drive a million miles um so we've done them around around various points of the uk and i'm already planning next year's as well next year's hannah there's one if you don't make it to that one that's going to be a major disappointment to me but i'm not going to tell you anything about it uh but it's right up your street let's just say that so yeah i plan them around different places of the uk and they generally look like a you know you rock up whenever you rock up on the friday night because you know you might have come from work you might have had to wait for your children to come home you might like me drop them off and see you later and then on the saturday we we tend to hike together again that's become a bit of a a laughing a joking holly says it will be an hour but it's likely to be four i think i did hear a story about this <laughs> Everyone that we've been on is, you know, yeah, it's going to be a short walk, a nice, short, leisurely walk. And everyone's come home with aching legs and blisters, but very happy and full hearts. So that's what it's all about. Exactly. And then a community cookout on the Saturday. That's my favourite part of it. So we, it's like a bring and a bring and share. Everybody brings something. We put them all out together. We sit in a circle around a campfire and we just chat and share food and share good drinks and get to know each other and have a laugh and a giggle. And then the Sunday, sometimes there's another hike before we leave or we scoot off and go home to our families. And that's that really, you know, there's no, there's never any pressure to join in. That's, that's what I will always maintain that if you want to sit in your van and read your book while we go out for a hike, please do that fill your boots for some people that's that's the best thing is 
you know, feeling confident to actually just sit in your van and have a cup of tea and read a book. As you said, Hannah, about starting as strangers and leaving as friends, I just gain more and more friends every time. And so do the other women. And what's really wonderful about it is seeing those smaller groups peeling off from us, you know, getting together at other times or sending their children, sending notes to other people's children in the post and supporting each other to achieve other things that they're trying to or supporting each other in finding a van or whatever it is. It's it's seeing that community grow and not just because it's me at the heart of it. It shouldn't ever be me at the heart of it. It's It's about that support and that encouragement and that enrichment of other people's lives. I really, really need to get a grip and get one of these books. <laughs> you do, Hannah. I think this, 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 this sounds right up your street. sounds up my street. I just have no van. You can come with me. It's fine. That's true. That is true. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, isn't it? There's other women that are saying there's no excuses because I have a pop-top. I had I had Jess Sims stayed in my pop-top. Uh, she travelled up with Morven, who's got the, the gorgeous Glasto, uh, the green Glasto van. Uh, she travelled up with her because they live quite close together in the south and then stayed in my pop-top. So always options and don't forget Emily I have a tent I was just about to say this like I have a tent and I do have a really good tent but well I say a good tent but you know I've got a tent that fit us all in but my kids so my eldest is is 13 and the next one's nine and they have totally went we're not we're not camping we're not doing that my husband's like nope I'll take my all-inclusive holiday thank you I mean I love an all-inclusive holiday as well but there is times when I go I'd love to go and just camp. I don't think I'd be brave enough on my own. We do have, like, we had a guest before who did do things like that. And it's amazing, but I'm not quite there yet. So if you have a camping option, <laughs> I'll come along with my tent. Well, there we ha- I have been talking to a lady who is in Scotland. Because Scotland is one of the places I haven't made it to yet. We have been to Wales, these girls van. The first one was in Wales, in the snow. We haven't been to Scotland yet. And I think I'm never worried about the distance. I, you know, I'll drive to the ends of the earth and be happy about it. But I have to be aware of what I'm asking the ladies to do, you know, how far I'm asking them to push themselves in terms of distance, in terms of fuel cost, in terms of time. All of those things I have to be aware of. However, we do have a growing community in Scotland. So I am thinking about one of our four being in Scotland next year. Yay. I'll come in my tent. I'll be knocking on your door. Come get in the tent. Is there a these girls tent option? (laughs) Can you do a spin-off for me, Holly? I give you to the end of the year before you've got a van. I would love to. I just need a lottery win. And it's not just the the initial cost of when you buy it. It's all the upgrades and all the best bit of kit that you suddenly see that you want. And it's it never ends. It is a money pit. That is, I'll be honest, Emily, if you get a van, just be prepared to never have any money ever again. I already have an expensive hobby with running. So I'll, I'll settle with my tent just now. But if you if I'm welcome to come with my tent, then I'm, I'm there. Absolutely, you're welcome. So what's next for these girls' van, apart from possible Scotland next year? Yeah, so we've got our last meetup of the year is in October in Sussex. And this one is going to involve some group yoga and a trip to the Wild Spa. Uh, With some wild dipping, yes, Emily. Hot and cold wild. Well, the hot won't be wild, but the cold will be wild. Dipping. And a pizza van. I'm hoping the pizza van will come and uh, make pizzas for us on the Friday night. And then I'll... Is at a site that I really love. I took my children there last summer 
and it's just it's a campsite but it feels wild they were swinging on a rope swing across this stream and like my son was wallowing in it like a warthog he was more mud than human by the end and it was just amazing just an amazing sight um so that's our last one for the year and I'm really looking forward to that and then yeah my sights are on to bigger and, and better things next year so I have got one in mind, as I was talking about earlier, which is going to be an adventure one. So it's a weekend full of adventure, lots of it on water. That's all I can say. But then I'm hoping some of the some of the campouts might repeat because obviously, as you can imagine, it's I find it tricky to find the right location. I wouldn't say we've got a solid location yet where van fam tribe have forest fields that is definitely when you think about the tribe meetups you think about forest fields i haven't quite found the right place yet for us and i think that's because i i don't prefer campsites when i think about trips with my children i like to wild camp it's not really the dumb thing to take 40 women wild camping so finding the right campsite when i'm thinking about a group of women it's actually really quite tricky. And lots of campsites, even though I, I do assure them that we are not a rowdy bunch, you know, we're not there to have loud music and be wild and, and upsetting everybody else all night. They don't like single sex groups. And as the community continues to grow, I want options. I don't want a limited number of pitches. You know, I don't want all of us to have to be dotted around the campsite. I want us all to, I have a vision of it. I've just got to find the right place. Um, so I'm hoping this place in October might be a consistent. It might be somewhere we repeat next year, but we have to wait and see. And I've got loads of recce's to be doing to go and try out some places. I can't wait for the Scotland one. <laughs> I know, I'm totally coming. <laughs> I'll pick you up on the way back. <laughs> in my ten. <laughs> Just out of interest, I mean, I'm in the summer holidays right now, but I take it your summer holidays are about to kick in shortly. What's um, What's on the agenda? Ah, yes. So uh, again, as uh, Holly never does things by halves, Europe is in our sights this summer. Uh, I've never driven in Europe on my own before. So the driving in itself, yeah, yeah, it's filling me with a bit of fear, I would say. But we are heading into France, across the top of France, to Italy, then Switzerland, then Germany. Wow. And I haven't got to return yet. I don't want to book a whether it's a ferry or, you know, the Euro tunnel, I don't want to book it in, say, two weeks. I don't want to say, we'll go for two weeks, we'll do what we can in two weeks, and then we'll come home. Because, A, I might get there and think, actually, I can't do this, I need to come home now, three days later. Or I might get to those two weeks and say, actually, let's stay for a third, or let's stay for a fourth. So I haven't booked to return because I want to see how we get on. The only return you're booking is coming back to us to tell us how it went, because I feel like we'll have all the questions after this. <laughs> Do you need a passport to go between countries? Probably. No? Some of them. In many of the countries, you don't. As long as you've got, uh, like, Switzerland, for example, you need a vignette to get into Switzerland. It's like a road tax. But for some... I mean, Switzerland is kind of neutral, isn't it? But for some of the European countries, they won't even stop you. Last year, we went to the Netherlands and we drove through France, Belgium, into Holland, if you like, Netherlands. There, there wasn't any passport control, let alone anybody actually wanting to see it. So I'm heading to, I'm going to try and do as much driving as I can in the first few days through France. I have sort of looked at some airs that I want to stay at, but try and just do as much driving as I can in the days to get us to Italy. 
and then base myself ourselves there for about five days but we could stay longer if we're enjoying it and see how we get on you know I don't have I don't have any plan because I want to I know if I plan it and I pin everything to my map I will do what I did in Sky and in and I know they're very different places but in Sky you know it was on to the next on to the next on to the next there was no downtime whereas you know we're going to these beautiful lakes in Italy we're heading to Lake Como that's the first place and if we want to stay for three days or five days or never leave, then that's us. You know, we're sorted. But if we're not enjoying it, we'll keep going. So, I mean, the fact is you're going on your own with the kids. So you do need the downtime. I mean, it's a lot of driving. So, exactly. you know, you do need a holiday yourself. So I think yeah. that's probably a good idea, like you say. And and also you you could get somewhere and you go, you know, this is not the place for us. Yeah. We'll, stay, we'll stay a night and move. Unless until you've got yourself, like you say, pinned down to all these places, you feel like, oh, we have to give it the three days that I've put on my my list here. And that's the trouble with, I mean, I am taking a gamble because we haven't booked any campsites. And in France, I know we'll be fine because I've bought something called Camping Car Park, which is a, basically it's like a top-up card. And it's for the paid airs that you can pre-book. So I will book our first air when we're on the ferry on the way to France. So we'll book our first one and make sure that we can get in and, and there are spaces and there are other people there because I wouldn't want to be in an air on my own. So when we're in France, I know we'll be fine. But when it comes to Italy, they don't have this. They have Sosters, which is the Italian version of airs, but they don't have anything you can pre-book. But the campsites, they want you to book for five or seven days. Some of them want seven. And I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to stay in one place if you've driven all of that way I don't want to drive all that way just to see one part of Italy Rosie's even trying to convince me to drive down to Rome once I get there I might be convinced but at the moment I'm thinking that's far too far but again you know I want that flexibility and I if I can I want the children to have some say in it I want them to Mm -hmm. a big part of our adventures and our journeys are based on the things the children want to see and experience and I love that I'm going to be dense airs is this like campsite in French? So no, and air, there are some airs in in England as well, um, and in Scotland actually. They're all over the UK. I've never heard this term. There aren't very many of them in in England. An air is like it's sort of in the middle of services, service stations, and campsites. So some of them have facilities like only toilets. In fact, I've stayed in an air in the UK where the there's no facilities it's just you're, you're welcome to stay there it feels safer than wild camping for some people I actually love wild camping I'm not worried about wild camping at all but I wouldn't do it in Europe I wouldn't just pull up into a lay-by in Europe and stay there for me that feels a step too far so an air is somewhere that I know I'm allowed to stay overnight um, some of them have toilets some of them have showers some of them have um, places to empty your water and your toilet waste but they're not as expensive as campsites and because they're not as expensive you haven't got beautiful views you know they're not going to be stunning backdrops and landscapes but you get what you pay for all right okay thank you for answering that I mean for somebody who's who's not known where to go what to do do you use like a is there like a website you use to to find all these things so there's an app called Park Fortnite, number four, Park Fortnite. And I absolutely love it. And it's basically, it's it's people like you and I uploading places that we've been to and had a good experience or a bad experience. 
and any any experience that you're willing to share on there I think is viable because there are people like me with my two children who use it all the time to find places to go and stay and if you've had a bad experience I want to know that because I wouldn't want to stay there if you haven't had a good experience so I tend to look in a place that I'm heading to so it's in the there are places in Europe on the app as well um, so Lake Como, for example, I was actually looking before the school run this morning. Lake Como, are there any places to stay around there? There are campsites on there. People will share their experience, experience of campsite. They tend to share hints and tips like you need pound coins for the shower or you'll need, you know, if they've had a bad experience, if they've not enjoyed it, if the facilities were dirty, for example, or, you know, people were noisy at night, if they would return there again, just people sharing their general experience. And I tend to look at a review Firstly, if it's got no review, no recommendations, no com- commentary, I don't go there. But if it's somewhere that someone's had good experience and hopefully quite a few good experiences have been shared of that place and that's where I'll, st- I'll star it and then head there. But I always have two or three options because I really trust my gut. So if I get somewhere and I think, actually, this feels wrong. I've been in a couple of like solo trips. We are it's mainly for running and I've done like the Airbnb but like just a room because I don't need the whole place. But like that, when you're saying about seeing what, if there's no reviews, I'm like, nope. We used Park for Night quite a bit on the last trip. And I usually kind of have a, a bit of a destination in place, but we'll check them on the way to like the furthest one that we're going to look at. And sometimes we'll pull in and go, yeah, this is fine. Or Steve will just pull in and go, what about here? And he'll look at my face and he'll go, you don't like it, do you? And I was like, nope, I'm getting bad vibes. And it is a real thing. You pull into his place and you just like, no, there's just something something not right about this spot. Let's keep going. But we we quickly realised that what I need to do when it gets about half past four or five o'clock, I need to give Steve something to eat. <laughs> and then we start looking for somewhere to park <laughs> because there was a few hangry words <laughs> exchanged <laughs> when we were trying to find park-ups. And I am not willing to settle for like a park-up at the side of the road when I know there's one another three mile down the road. And he's like, this one's fine. I was like, it's not. I'm I'm totally on your vibe. And Holly, you're there with your kids on your own. You have to feel like, yeah, I'm I'm good with this. You know, yeah. I, I'm always a bit of a if I don't trust myself, then and if something happens, you know, I know the yeah. person I'm blaming. Yeah, exactly. And and also I have to be aware that my husband's at home trusting me with you know, to keep my children safe in the same way that if he were off adventuring with them on his own. I can't do anything to help if there's a problem. So I have to take that. I have to shoulder that. And if if my gut's saying, actually, there's something wrong with this, then I'll drive through the night if I have to, to find one that I am I am comfortable with. And besides using an app, Instagram itself is that, oh my gosh, here's a wealth of knowledge and experience. And there is always someone with something to share. If you put it out there and you say, help me with this or give me ideas for that or have you been here? There is always someone who can tell you something that is worth a take home. And I have, oh, my God, unlimited amounts of saved things in my saves and collections of things. Just randomly and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But is your husband joining you at any point? So at the moment... <laughs> He's hoping to. So at the moment, our plan, and our plan has changed many, many times, he wanted us to go to, to Spain instead. He said, if you get the um, the St. Malo ferry, then that takes you all the way to Spain, and then you haven't got to do all of the big driving. And then I can come with you. And I was like, no, I've booked my ferry. I am going to France, and I'm heading to Italy. So that's, that's what we're doing. 
Um, so at the moment, he thinks he can spare five days. So we're just trying to work out the best way to use those five days, whether that's fly into us wherever we are at the end and drive us home which is what he did when he flew into Berra. Mm-hmm. Or does he come with us and get us as far as we can get driving between the two of us and then fly home? At the moment, it's looking like he might join us at the beginning, but it all depends on work because we one of our, our main business is construction and he does a lot of work throughout the summer on in schools and things you know when they're shut down for the for the summer holidays they're on a very tight turnaround that made our summer stressful last year we went to the netherlands and i planned it for the end of the summer thinking most of the work would be done by then so it won't be stressful for him you know he'll he'll be able to have some real downtime but actually in, in hindsight that was when all of the tying together was happening they were on a tight turnaround and didn't quite meet some of the deadlines and what can he do from the Netherlands on the phone? So trying to time it as to what's best for him is difficult, but I'm quite prepared for just going alone. So if he says to me a few days before, actually, I can't I can't come with you, it, it changes nothing because I still have my ferry booked. I still have the first few places that I'm heading to and we'll just wing it. In my head, he's not coming. So if he does make it, great. If he doesn't, I'm prepared for this. That's a good place to be. And like you say, maybe that, that ties into the how organised and up for it you have to be because you're like, well, it's me and the kids. If he comes, it's a bonus, but we're not banking on anything. And he's always led by me anyway, because van life is not his thing. Whereas I guess, I imagine for couples that do this together, both partners might have their own ideas of where they want to go and how they want it to be and where they would like to stay. But because my husband doesn't do this, do van life you know he just comes along for the ride I do have to be the organizer mm-hmm. I'm always in that role I'm always the nav- navigator that you know the, the sorter of the jobs if he's with me he'll share the driving and hopefully we'll all have a lovely time but if he's not I've already done all of that work anyway you know it's not like he then ha- I suddenly have to fill in for him do you see does that make sense I don't have That's... to suddenly think oh those jobs that he was going to take on I now have to do them yeah that, that works for us. And I know this life isn't the way we do van life is not for everybody. But for many people, it's a family thing. But we I will always talk about us as a family of three and a family of four. So he steps into it when he's with us in the nicest possible way. I don't need him there for us to continue it. We can very much operate as a three when we need to. I think that's a really important message because there's so many mums and that wouldn't go out without the the husbands and partners or whatever and do this it just shows that you can still be a family but you can still go and do things separate and and still enjoy it you mold it the way it suits you and if you want to go and pitch up at a campsite on a friday and stay there for the whole weekend and not go and explore places around you, do that. That's your best life, and you should live that. But if you want to be someone who wants to go and explore and wing it as you go, and maybe do it solo, or maybe do it together, do that. As long as you are living your best life, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Completely. And you're also, I know you're not a single parent, but you're also giving inspiration to people who are either on their own, on their own with kids, you know, newly separated and things. You know, you can do these things on your own, and there are now communities for people that are just doing these things. I don't have a van, as we all know. I have mentioned it at the moment. <laughs> but I have a s- sort of similar setup in terms of we are a family, but I have a very separate life. 
to my husband and my kids in terms of the running because I go, I have a whole different community that they're not part of, that I go on trips on my own, sometimes with other friends. Do you know, it makes me a better person. It makes me a better mum, makes me a better wife. And just in general, doesn't make me a better runner. But it just gives you your own bit. But it also gives me that confidence that I go, I would never see it as like a 20-year-old, never have done this on my own. So you're definitely inspiring people. I very much live by that. I talk about this a lot, actually. I think forward a lot in my life. I don't spend much time thinking back because that's done. I can't change that. But what I don't want is to one day be on my deathbed, looking up my life and thinking, I wanted to go there and I never did it. And I can't now. Or I wanted to experience that thing or that I wanted to show that thing to my children and I didn't do it. There is absolutely no point in being in this life and you're in now, wanting to do those things and not trying with everything you have to make that happen. Because one day it will be too late. We all know that's the inevitable. So we all have the power now within our own means, within our own lives, to make that happen. But don't waste it. Live your best life now, whatever that looks like for you. One day you'll look back on it, hopefully, and you'll say, yeah, you know, I lived my very best life and I achieved all of those things and it was worth it. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, Holly. You feel empowered. (laughs) I, I, I can either burst into tears or just give you a round of applause right now. (laughs) honestly do a TED talk I would sit and just replay it over and over and those bad days that you have when you think I can't do nothing I said to Hannah I went I don't have a van Hannah as we know what will we we talk to Holly about what what happens if I don't know what to talk about this has just been like the best conversation (laughs) I'm so glad we've had such a good time I mean well, we will have to wrap it up and let you actually get back to your your home life um, as well but we do have a little quick fire Hannah, do you want to take the the honours? Well, I'll go first, yeah? Yes. Um, so we have a quick quick fire round. The first thing that pops into your head, it doesn't need to be like a one-word answer, just just whatever comes into your head. So do you prefer adventuring with friends or solo? Solo. Excellent. An Instagram profile you admire and why? Van Life Family. So Amy from Van Life Family, because she is amazing. She inspires so many people in so many different ways and actually it's not just Amy it's the family they are wonderful they're like rays of sunshine and when you watch them the impact they each have on each other they make each other they make each other like sunshine and something I would always tell you is to stay close to people that feel like sunshine and Amy to me feels like sunshine I follow Amy as well and I totally agree and when you message Amy she's so she's she always gets back to you she's always really down to earth and like the advice and the tips that she gives she is amazing I mean she's got a really 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 big following so I'm surprised she has the time to reply to everyone but she always does so yeah I can 100% back that that inspirational account we've kind of covered the next one but what is on the adventure wish list oh my gosh the whole world can I say the whole world I want to before before I die I want to see all of the wonders of the world all the eight wonders of the world I want to see them I always tell my children when I when they're old and they've left when they're older and they've left home, I'm going to buy my own van and I'm going to travel the world and I want to take it to places that people would say you can't take a van there. Watch me. <laughs> I got it up that hairpin bend. <laughs> <laughs> one of our favorite questions is, what would you tell your teenage self? Oh my gosh! Wow, that's a big one. I would tell her that you're not 
you're not who you think you are so be kinder to yourself clothes size doesn't matter and eat the bloody chocolate (laughs) basically identify with all of them hannah you're the same (laughs) and that leads on to emily's question that she added to this little snippet of questions last week (laughs) what is the must-have snack option on an adventure must-have snack option oh gosh that's tricky so it varies in our house so Noah is a sweet monster anything with sweets he's there whereas Rosie is not really keen on sweets she she could take it or leave it but for all of us the one thing that goes down well for all of us is probably a packet of Pringles the sour cream and chive excellent choice yeah and once you pop you really can't stop you really can't we always have a snack bag between the seats in the van when we're traveling i mean i've I've said to steve it's literally like a nose bag because his hands always in it snacks are important in life oh oh, holly this has been awesome honestly it's been such a delight to talk to you i've had i've had the best time oh i have too thank you so much for having me both of you it's it's wonderful and i really love what you're doing what you're doing is is so powerful and i really hope that you know it well i know it will continue to blossom i'm just gonna Sit back and revel in your joy. So thank you very much both of you for having me. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Adventure Blether. We'd also love it if you could share, rate and subscribe to our podcast. Bye. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs>